Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, should you wish to be a part of this here program, 877-973-7425. Always happy to have you with me and take your phone calls. But before I take your phone calls, I just want to talk for a little bit. I got stuff to say. It is my show. I, I you know, you, you know what the Rorschach test is? The Rorschach test is that where they show you the blob um, and, and you have to interpret what it is. And with that blob, I mean, some people say, oh, it looks like a moth to me. Oh, it looks like two people face to face. It looks like it looks like a monster. And supposedly you can interpret and diagnose people and psychiatrists use it. I guess they still use it. I think the the Ron DeSantis video is a Rorschach test for left and right. Uh, the DeSantis video, if you haven't heard it, uh, DeSantis. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. So if, for those of you who saw this, um, how did you take it? How did you take it? It's a Rorschach test on, on how do you see the world. I saw it as Ron DeSantis coming into a room full of unmasked people except for the students of the University of South Florida forced to stand behind him wearing masks. And he says, this is, this is just COVID theater. This is ridiculous. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is a, this is ridiculous. With the sigh and the smile at the end. COVID theater, this is ridiculous, he says. How, how, do, how do you interpret that? I see it as Ron DeSantis liberating college students from the demands of, of worrisome academics. Uh, and the left sees it as Ron DeSantis bullied students into taking off their masks. There, there's actually left-wing outrage and media outrage about this. WFLA, the NBC News affiliate down in Florida, the headline is DeSantis scolds students for wearing masks. One of the mothers was aggrieved, and the mother actually went to a press conference without her mask on, standing next to her masked son to express her outrage that he would have them take their masks off. Of course, it was WFLA again. Oh, where, where'd the audio go? Uh can't hear the audio here the way it's processing. It's out of the wrong speaker. Uh, she says, um, the student says he took his mask off. And the, the report says, did you feel pressure by the governor? A little, says the teenager. The mom says she's very upset. And it was shocking for Governor DeSantis to ask these students to take off their masks. Now, it was high school students. It was the University of South Florida, but it was apparently high school students. And the, the left is having a meltdown about this. You can see the video for yourself. If you're a subscriber every day now, I send you links 
to everything I'm going to talk about on the show. Right when the show starts, we send you a live link to the show so you can listen to the live stream. And I send out the the links as well. You can text the word DATA to 33777. Uh, the bottom link there will be to the daily newsletter. You can get all these links. you got to be a subscriber. And every day in your inbox when the show starts, we send you the links. And one of them is this video of DeSantis. The media national press corps and progressives are, why are you bullying the children? To me, it looked like he was telling the kids this is ridiculous. They're literally, for those of you who don't understand this, they're in a room full of unmasked people. The only people there masked are the students who were brought in to stand behind DeSantis when he spoke. That's it. And so he tells them to take their masks off. And people are having a fit about it. Meanwhile, the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services is out there and doesn't understand. He didn't get the memo, I guess, from the White House that it's time for everybody to take their masks off. Can we really move beyond masks until everybody can get vaccinated? Is it fair to say that the mask mandate on planes, the mask mandate and sort of the uh, on federal public transportation trains, we got, we're going to keep it until everybody from infant forward can get vaccinated? Chuck, it's 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 more. It, it, this is not a light switch. You just can't go on and off. Uh, it's a matter of doing this, knowing the science, being thoughtful about how we do this. You know, you, there will be people who will continue to wear masks. Some have to. Those who are immunocompromised are under five year years of age. Children still aren't vaccinated, and so right. we still have reason to be cautious. But look, we're in a different place today, and we can move forward. And we know what it takes, and we're putting the tools together. That medicine right. cabinet is a lot more full. So kids still need to keep their masks on. We're, we're taking masks off. What, what, what is this? There's a, a story, man. I, uh, you know what? I, I got to tell you. I couldn't bring Charlie's voice on the program to talk about this. Uh, my producer had a programming for syndicated side of the show. My call screener, when you call into the program, you're talking to, to him. And he's got two kids. We were talking about this this morning in our morning call. And the number of kids in the country who are struggling because of masks. When masks became mandatory in schools, the American Academy of Pediatrics took off their website all of their research that showed children need FaceTime with parents for speech development. They memory hold it. They disappeared it. Denied that it was there. And now people are having problems with children. Do you know uh, most scholars, anthropological scholars, say that the Canadian and American accents are actually the accents of the British Empire in the 1700s? Have you all ever heard this? The, the accent of Americans, particularly the American Southerner and the Canadian are the accents of the British Empire in the 1700s. The current British dialect is more similar to the Australian and the New Zealand dialect. As the British Empire spread around the world and came into contact with other people and uh, other people began speaking English and the English and the British went off to form empire in Africa and, and Southeast Asia, the British dialect changed. 
and reflected those new territories. But the Americans and the Canadians were settled long before the rest of the spread of the British Empire, and our dialect largely was fixed. So the British system evolved as other people learning to speak English came in and pronounced words in different ways because their mouths and tongues had formed differently speaking native languages and it shaped the British imperial tongue. I'm afraid we're going to have new dialects spring up in this country and it'll be the demarcation line of pre and post COVID the children forced to wear masks, the small children forced to wear masks in particular because young children they went back to daycare, and at some point, the mask mandate got dropped for them, but not for the teachers, and so they couldn't read lips during the day to help form the words. The Atlantic has the story. Americans have been arguing about pandemic restrictions for two years, and the debate is particularly fraught among parents of small children for good reasons. While measures such as masking and isolation mean temporary discomfort or inconvenience for most people, their consequences for still developing young children are more mysterious and possibly more significant and lasting. Children with speech or language disorders offer perhaps the clearest example of these murky trade-offs. Pandemic restrictions vary by state, county, and school district, but I spoke with parents in California, New York, Massachusetts, Washington, New Jersey, Iowa, and Maryland who said their children's speech therapy has been disrupted first by the loss of in-person therapy and then by masking requirements in places that have them. Megan's son, for example, has Jobert syndrome, a rare genetic condition that often manifests in severely delayed speech. At the start of the pandemic, the then four-year-old could approximate a few simple words like mom and home, each the hard-won victory of intensive speech therapy he'd received since he was two. But he regressed during remote therapy and is still struggling now that therapy is in person because his therapist wears a face mask. The consequences of leaving speech and language disorders untreated can be profound, Diane Paul, the Director of Clinical Issues in Speech-Language Pathology at the American Speech-Language Hearing Association, told me children struggling to express themselves can get frustrated, which can lead to behavioral challenges, and they may have trouble making friends. Many kids with speech disorders struggle to learn to read, but language becomes a medium through which we learn everything later in school. Alex Levine, a speech-language pathologist at the Learning and Development Center at the Child Mind Institute, told me, and the longer you wait to address a speech or language issue, the harder it is to do so. Many of the parents I spoke with are frustrated that they've been asked to compromise their children's social and academic life in the name of public safety. The early years of a child's life are important. Anything that threatens to interfere with development, whether that's COVID-19 or the mitigations in place to avoid it, can feel like rolling the dice on a child's future. In one way or another, all parents of young children have been forced to gamble during the pandemic. Many parents of kids with speech delays don't like their odds. We have an entire nation of small children who were, one, highly unlikely to get COVID, and two, if they did it, highly unlikely to have severe symptoms. And we made them cover their mouths with a mask. And then when we let them take their masks off, the very people whose lips they needed to read, we made them keep their mask on. 
we have a whole lot of people who are behind now. We have a whole lot of kids that the powers that be treated poorly. You know, I have since this pandemic began, when the powers that be were saying we should wear masks, fine. It's early. You're the expert. You say wear a mask. I understand what the data says. Let's put on the masks. But the data never said that about kids. The data never said it about kids. And yet they forced the kids to do it. They said follow the science, and the science never said it about the kids. For that matter, the science to this day doesn't say that kids really need the vaccine. It doesn't show these things, and yet they've doubled down on this. And now these kids are behind. And you know what the, the, the fallout of this is going to be? is quite obvious. People will not trust the experts moving forward because the experts got so comfortable wielding the power to shape people's lives and then so arrogant that they could not admit they overplayed their hand that they could not change their minds. And it took a popular movement of parents to do it. And those parents are going to go vote. And there's going to be hell to pay. And there should be. Many of the people we've listened to, including Dr. Fauci at this point, need to be retired. And many of the children who are behind, I don't know what we're going to do about them, but we're going to have to help them as a society because we failed them over the selfishness of a lot of older people who forced kids who were never going to get sick to take steps they never needed to take in order to protect the lives of the people around them who more or less really didn't need those children to cover up their masks to survive, but did so in large part out of fear and selfishness. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Al, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. How are you? How you doing, Eric? Great to talk to you and blessings to you and your family. And my Thank question you. is this. Uh, wasn't there some treaty signed in uh, 1994 with the states and Britain and the USSR when uh, Ukrainian uh, withdrew their nuclear weapons and the USSR had uh, promised not to attack Ukraine? Yes, uh, yes. Now, it was it was not necessarily between the U.S. and, and U.K. as well, uh, but they were involved, along with a couple of other European parties, that essentially uh, all of these countries would recognize the independent sovereignty of Ukraine and its territory. We would no longer be called the Ukraine. It would be called Ukraine. In exchange, they would give up their nuclear arsenal back to Russia, and the Russians would ensure their sovereignty and protection, not us. Uh, so they gave up all their nuclear weapons uh, to ensure their sovereignty and protection from Russia, and now the Russians have invaded them. So, yeah. Now, keep in mind as well, just a few years ago, there was the Minsk Accord uh, where uh, the Russians would withdraw their territory, withdraw their troops from the Donetsk region after having invaded to take Crimea, and, and the Ukrainians would ensure no persecution of those who were friendly with the Russians, and now the Russians have come in on pretext that that was broken. So you got a history over there of this sort of stuff happening. And it's not going to end well uh, because it's very clear Vladimir Putin does not honor his word. Uh, Ed, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Uh, I guess I want to say that 
us as Americans, we letting the Ukrainians down. We witnessed that. The genocide is taking place. They're bombing children. They're killing women, having babies in basements. And here we're worrying about all. And the Democrats, they, they want to win so bad. What we need to do is, for everyone that dies, we need to make sure that they don't get a vote for that death. Because that's what it means. And they need to let them know every time they have a rally or anything. You, you bind votes with death of other people. And that, as Americans, we should hold our head down because we can't stand up for that. And we should demand everyone, every representative that calls itself a congressman or a senator, and they should hold the Biden administration responsible and tell them this is genocide. If they don't do anything for those people, this is genocide. And we are standing by and watching it because we're worried about oil, the price of gasoline. We got more oil on the ground than they got. We can pump our own oil. And I wish the United States would stand up for those people, but they won't. And the Republicans won't because they don't, they don't have no spine. All yeah, of look, them. You're, you're not wrong. Ed, you're, you're not wrong on the, on the lack of spine on the Republican side here. They should be pushing the issue and making it a campaign issue. Thank you for the phone call. You're right on the Democrats as well. If you're just tuning in here, I made this point in the first hour, and you really, you've got to internalize and understand this point of what's happening right now. The United States could impose sanctions on Russian energy. 60% of Russian exports are related to energy. The Biden administration is refusing to because it does not want to cause further gas price hikes in this country because that would hurt the Democrats at the polls in November. The entirety of Joe Biden's sanctions are balanced against not their effectiveness to stop war, but their impact on Democratic polling numbers. That's the God's honest truth, whether you want to believe it or not. The Democrats in this country, led by Joe Biden, cannot stop Russian oil imports into the United States because it would drive up gas prices and that would impact Democrats in the ballot box in November. So Ukrainians are going to die in real life so the Democrats do not get wiped out metaphorically at the ballot box. You may not like it, but it's the truth. Hello there, it's Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I want to go back to the phones here. Let's go to Ruth Mary next. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing fine, Eric. Long time. I haven't been able to listen to you. Um, but I wanted to agree with you on the mass thing. When I was stationed in the military in Japan and I taught English, mostly to kids, but also adults. And seeing my mouth and watching how I pronounce the words were very important. Number one, they have a hard time saying TH, so Ruth came out as Luce, Luzon. And fourth was Forest, so they had to watch my mouth all the time as how I moved my lips and how I pronounced things. And I even did the how we used to in school, the A-E-I-O-U, but I had to really pronounce that so they would know how we do our A's and E's and so forth. So the mask would cover that all up, and if was, even especially with special needs kids who have to watch how we say words and that for them because it's going to take them a little bit longer to sometimes determine how to speak. 
and they do have to see our face for expression and for the movements of the mouth. So, yes, I, they need to get rid of the mask when they're teaching the kids. Amen to that. Yeah, you know, it, it, you say this, and it, talking about overseas, I remember uh, when I was a kid uh, growing up in Dubai, we had an um, Arabic language teacher, Ms. Wahhabi, uh, who used to yell at us in Arabic all the time. But she also said it was always funny for her as someone from the Middle East who also taught English and, and, and emphasizing vowel sounds uh, that you could tell that, uh, that, that someone in the Middle East had learned English from someone from the Middle East and not from an American because of how they sounded the vowels. Everything was always A, E, I, O, U. Yes, <laughs> she said you, exactly. you could tell exactly whether someone had learned English from someone who was English uh, versus learned English from someone who was from the Middle East based on just how much power they put into our I'll, I'll never forget her talking about that. And, you know, you can hear it. But you're right. The the way you form your mouth and your lips for pronouncing the vowels, whether it's a soft A or a hard A and the like, it's it, it's just it's it's a lost art, unfortunately, for now American kids. Um, yes, my goodness. I'm, I'm glad you called in and made that point. I, I, I hadn't thought about that story in, in years, but you're right. Um, and it's really even as a kid. I was going to say, even as a kid in elementary school, we had to learn the vowels and the sound of them. They don't do that anymore, I take it. But mm -hmm. that was one of the first things of learning how to speak correctly. So, Yeah, it, 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 all of that phonics and all is a lost skill. Thank you very much, Ruth Mary, for calling in on that. It, it, it really is. Um, and even, you know, some of the stuff, like, for example, now, I, I'm not that old, but you know, you need to learn how to read and write cursive if you want to read the Declaration of Independence. And it, it stuns me, the number of people who they don't teach cursive anymore. And I realize we've gotten to a point where like, well, what do you want us to do? Do we teach robotics or do we teach cursive? Well, I mean, it's amazing how 100 years ago, kids could learn so much. Well, they weren't learning robotics 100 years ago. Yeah, that's true. But we, we've just kind of lopped off stuff. I mean, for example... Why not uh, teach kids like business math sort of stuff? Because, um, you know, tax day, I saw it's actually a meme I saw on, on Twitter the other day. Uh, somebody saying, man, I'm so glad I never learned how to do my taxes and balance my budget when I was a kid so that when parallelogram day comes, I can file my parallelograms with the federal government. It's like, you know, there's a point there. All right, uh, Bill, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Let me ask you a question. Do you think there's anybody that's listening to you or anybody in the United States that would not say, yeah, I'll pay more for gas to save somebody's lives or 10 lives or 100 or 1,000? And if the Democrats wanted to get back in power and get back in favor, all they'd have to do is two things. Joe Biden come in, say, I am rescinding all of the executive orders that I put in place to shut down our energy production and I'm banning oil coming from Russia and encouraging every other country, and we will start supplying them from all of our, uh, what we're drilling. Look, and I, that I, I agree him, with That you. would put them right back up there. Yeah, I, I think if you, if you poll Americans, are you willing to pay higher gas prices in order to get this war in Ukraine stopped and punish Vladimir Putin? I think you'd probably poll about 70, 80% of Americans 
saying, yes, um, I'm willing to pay higher oil, higher gas prices at the pump for the next few weeks to shut this war down uh, than, uh, and to punish Vladimir Putin. And I, I don't think there's any dispute in that except in this White House. And again, I, I look, I, I've, I've seen the hate mail. It's already flowed in. I've Yes, I've read it during commercial break, but I'm standing by it. The reason Joe Biden is not imposing energy sanctions on Russia is all about midterm elections. Standing by that. I think I'm right on that. No, no, no. You think I'm making a partisan point. No, I'm not. I am making a political strategic point. The Democrats are so low in the polls right now, they can't afford to go lower. The irony here is that if Joe Biden did impose energy sanctions on Russia, then he could blame high gas prices at the pump on that and put people on the side of Vladimir Putin. I mean, my gosh, he puts people on the side of Bull Connor and and Jefferson Davis and the Confederacy. He could put them on the side of Vladimir Putin. You're complaining about high gas prices while you're helping Vladimir Putin. He'd do it, too. But he knows it really wouldn't work. That's the issue here. All right, back to the phones. Robin, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the program. Robin, how are you? Hey, I'm well. How are you? Great. Okay, so I'm going to be super quick. I'm a teacher, and um, I'm only out of school because my sister had surgery and I'm out of the hospital. But the issue is so much bigger than masks with children. So much bigger. It's so many things. It's they can't read facial expressions. Young children read facial expressions. I teach at a private school. So our school is pre-K, the lower school through fourth. And our little babies need to see our face because they understand being upset with someone or being happy with someone based on being able to see your facial expression. I mean, forget about teaching phonics. You can't do that unless kids can see your face. You can't remediate speech unless kids can see your face. You also have got the whole issue where kids aren't going to church, they aren't going to restaurants to sit with their parents, they aren't going to movie theaters. So for two years, no kids have had to sit quietly. They, so they don't know how to do it. They don't know how to interact in an, an environment where they have to sit quietly just because it's not their fault. These poor kids mm-hmm. haven't been in a situation. They haven't been on play dates. So they haven't been out playing with kids and learning how to have a fight on the playground and talk about it and use your communication skills. So there's so many things with these kids. Our second graders, which are the group of kids that were kindergartners when we shut the world down, you just hit reading in March of kindergarten. Those babies were just starting reading, and we said, just kidding, go home. Now, at my school, we continued doing the reading, but all those babies are now behind in reading. And if public schools aren't focused on remediation, 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 you've got three years of kids who are behind, not to mention all the other issues, the social mm-hmm. issues that nobody's talking about, except for teachers. All the teachers know that this is happening, but nobody else is talking about it. It's not just the math. It's that we've shut the world down, and we need socialization, and our kids haven't had it for three years. Two years no, now. No, they haven't. 
You know, it's funny you say this. Also, my my kids, very much like my wife and I, they they they're not crowd people. They're not they're not large group people. Uh, my son now with his friends, they they get on the Xbox and they're never in the same house together, and they can talk to each other and and play video games, and that that's been their socialization. My my daughter, who is very much an introvert who does not like crowds, just feels compelled right now to be around people because it was so long. Everybody couldn't be, and then they could get back together, but there were masks. And then with my house and, and our health and our family, we've had to be a little more guarded. And uh, seeing my sure. kids want social interaction because they haven't had it for so long. And then I think of all the kids who are very personable and just flat out couldn't do it and almost thinking that they were being punished because of it. it really, it's going to take us years to undo the damage. And, and I don't know that people appreciate that as, as much as they could. Um, look, I, I'm glad you called in. Uh, my best to your sister. Um, I hope all is well there. And thank you very much for calling in. Thanks so much. Have a good one. You too. Uh, listen, you know, Robin is, is right on that. We, we think about speech, but it really is. I mean, also, how do you tell? Because, you know, when you smile behind a mask, when you smile, your eye structure tends to almost be the same structure as angry. It's the mouth that is formed differently to when are you upset, angry, or when are you happy, laughing. And the misreading of emotions is it's going to be a thing. And so many people have said that for so long. And the powers that be ignored it, the teachers unions, uh, you know, Georgia, where I am, we don't really have a strong teachers union per se, but states like California, Illinois, New York, with those strong teachers unions that have continually shut things down, forced kids to be in masks. Even now I'm seeing progressives melt down on the issue because they feel unsafe. In fact, there was a story out of Texas. I tried to find it right before I came on the show because I thought about it. But it was out the other day that in, in, uh, in Dallas and in Austin, Texas, some parents are having their kids continue to wear masks so that they're not confused for being Republicans. Oh, we're going to get into this a little bit. I'm so far out of whack of everything else I was going to talk about. We'll get into this. Some parents are having their kids stay in masks so that they are not confused for being Republicans, which is just bizarre. Now, uh, back to the phones. Richard, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Welcome, and thank you for all you do. Uh, you're my source of education. I just have a question on the take that you may have with the progressives pushing and demanding and saying that we're all going to die, like you said, in t 10 years if we don't go green. But my question, and nobody has been able to answer it, is what happens to the rest of the world when they don't go green? What is our you know, little bit of sacrifice? Uh, you know, how is that going to help when nobody else is doing it? Right. Uh, it's not. Uh, in fact, uh, the Chinese right now, their emissions are going up pretty exponentially compared to ours. Ours have been going down. Theirs are going up. Uh, Brazil is not switching. So, you know, they, they talk about the BRIC nations back in the 90s and in 2000s. It's a very big thing to talk about the next wave of first world countries. So for those of you who don't understand it, it's not meant to be a pejorative, although it comes across as that. There are first world countries. There are developing. They don't call them second world countries. Then there are third world countries. The third world countries are the poor countries, high government corruption, a lot of societal dysfunction, a lot of poverty. The developing countries are those you should call them probably second world countries. They are their economic output is up. Corruption is down. They're having four militaries. They've got social stability. They're the up and coming countries. 
Then you have the first world countries that have uh, the most stable governments, most stable militaries, most stable societies, healthiest people, longest lifespans. So the BRIC nations, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, those were the up-and-coming countries. China appears to be a developed first world country in its cities, but you drive just a short ways outside Chinese cities and you realize it is still a third world hellhole. India, to a degree, uh, has regressed. Brazil and Russia have regressed over the last number of years. These four countries have no interest in a Green New Deal. One of the, you, you get environmentalists talking about this, one of their great fears is the industrialization of Africa. If you look on your standard map, think of a map hanging on the wall. If you look at a map, Africa on a standard map really doesn't look that big. Um, it is, I'm, I'm Googling here to, to make sure I get the, the number right. Um, it is actually a massive continent. Africa looks to be kind of like equivalent maybe to North America, maybe to North America. You could fit all of North America inside Africa. That's how big Africa is. You could fit all of North America, including Greenland and uh, the islands above Australia. You could, you could fit Mexico. Uh, all of Central America, you could fit it in Africa. You could fit all of Europe in Africa. You could fit uh, China and Russia in Africa. Africa is massive. You can't really understand how big Africa is without really looking at a globe and then shaping up uh, the sizes of countries. The, the amount of countries that you could fit into Africa, you could fit most of Asia and all of Europe and China and Mongolia into Africa. It's phenomenally huge. And the great fear of environmentalists is that Africa develops. Because if all of Africa, which is larger than Asia, larger than Europe, larger than North America, larger than South America, if all of Africa were to suddenly develop and start burning fossil fuels and giving people central heating and air, they're like, oh, we would all be devastated. And, and there is a an undercurrent of racism within the environmentalist movement that is intent on keeping Africa comfortably poor so they never get heating and air so that they never contribute to climate change. And they don't want to talk about it, but you just listen to the conversations about the fear of African development and you realize this is why they won't let these people spray DDT to kill the mosquitoes and force them to sleep in mosquito nets. It has nothing to do with birds. It has everything to do with keeping these people poor. My gosh, they really are doing this. Uh, Chris Hayes from MSNBC, Ryan Cooper from The Prospect. They are literally advocating for us to start buying Iranian oil so that we're not buying Russian oil. So we're going to support one group of terrorists to avoid supporting another group of terrorists. This is truly, truly bizarre. Um, this is unserious. Now, uh, back to the phones we go. Let's see, do I have, I got about a minute and a half, Jim, welcome. Hey, Eric, God bless you for all you do. You've got a very powerful voice and message out there. And 
Thank you. Um, just a quick question. Under what justification did Joe Biden sign the executive order or orders that basically shut down domestic energy production? I understand the Green New Deal, which is made up based on uh, false science. Um, but beyond that, what was his justification and why can't those policies be reversed? Where, uh, so they, where are the they, voices from the Republicans? So they can the be outcry? reversed uh, either by congressional by congressional law, which the Republicans can't get through this Congress. Uh, but because their lease is overseen by uh, federal regulators, the Biden administration under the executive power has the ability to stop those leases. And they did. Uh, the Trump, DeSantis, Trump, whoever wins in 2024 could come in and reauthorize those leases. Uh, but the Biden administration rushed through a review of the leases and froze them. One of the reasons they froze them, and this is a key point, is because they weren't being used. As an earlier caller pointed out, as Jen Psaki says as well, the leases weren't being used. But you have to keep perspective here. The reason the leases were not being used is because they were issued at the end of the Trump administration. Everyone suspected Biden was going to win, and if he did, he would drive up the environmental costs of executing the leases so they wouldn't be able to make money. That's what happened here. Just saying they didn't use the lease kind of distorts why they chose not to use the lease. This administration would rather get oil from Iran than make us be energy independent. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.